Welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. And today we are talking about renewing the attitudes of our mind. Hope confronts. It does not ignore pain, agony, or injustice. It's not a saccharine optimism that refuses to see, face, or grapple with the wretchedness of reality. You can't have hope without despair because hope is a response. Hope is active conviction that despair will never have the last word. Word spoken by Cory Booker that starts off this concept of renewing the attitudes of our mind. Scott, hope is an active convic- conviction. How do, we, how do we have more conviction? Conviction is something I believe is true. And it's something I'm convicted of that I want to change in me. And so just the idea that we were talking about earlier, just that hope is a mindset and it's a response that I choose. So I have to be aware of the patterns that I have. What's kind of my normality? What's my normal response? Well, it's despair. That's a dysfunctional response. I can learn a new response. As Brene Brown says again, that hope can be cultivated. It can be learned. And so being consistent in the awareness, but also being consistent in I'm going to respond from this from a hopeful place. I'm going to see that no matter what I'm kind of conditioned to see, there's a new way of seeing this, which is a paradigm shift, which is what the whole book is I based it on. That if I can change what I believe, I can change my reality. Whatever I'm believing manifests itself into my reality. And so that is the most powerful thing for me. Every day now I, I realize that what I just thought, it's either leading to life or it's leading to death. It's either leading to a new hopeful life or it's leading back into despair. One pulls me forward, one pulls me back down. And those are choices. And so awareness is beginning. The conviction is, hey, there is hope. There is hope. There's always hope. And I like how she says it. Even in the, It's got to be there in the midst of despair. We, it's, despair is hopelessness. Hope is a different response. So we don't run from our human experience, even when it's broken in some way, that to actually deepen in hope or to grow hope as we go right into our humanity that even could in some way be hurting us. Or So it's, it's facing what we need to face and trusting that somehow uh, we're going to get guided to a better experience of life. And it's also the awareness, I know that, I know that that old narrative is going to come. It is. Stuff's going to happen during the day. It's going to trigger that. And I have to decide right then and there, am I going to follow that and let it pull me down with it? Or am I going to reframe that and choose to, to find a positive, hopeful um, position to position myself in? And that's what I've talked to people about all the time is I'm responsible for the position I put myself in so that God's word and the positive hopefulness of all that is growing in me, or am I drifting off into a space where I'm really in bad shape? I'm vulnerable to the messages of the old narratives. And those old narratives have been there for a long, long time. And so we know they're gonna be habitual. We we started off with Hope Confronts, Anna, and um, we talk a lot about the old self and the new self. And so hope looks at the old self and maybe asks the question, 
is this working for me? <laughs> you know, are my habits, are the way I'm thinking and going about life and relationships and, you know, relationships with others, relationships with myself, um, hope confronts and helps us ask honestly, is this really helping me have the life that I want, right? Right, absolutely. And I think that's um, important to recognize, like hope isn't the absence of struggle or um, despair or darkness. That's just part of the human condition, right? I mean, we live in a broken world, we're broken people. um, And that doesn't mean that, you know, to be hopeful, everything has to be going well. Um, as Scott said, hope is, it's a a choice. It's how we, it's how we choose to respond. Like what, what are we, um, what are our convictions that we are truly believing about life? And, um, is it that there's only going to be more suffering and dysfunction or do we really believe there's goodness, um, out there? And like you said, what, what we tend to see and believe is what we will actually find and manifest in our own lives. So I think it's really important to uh, recognize one thing that um, Scott said in this chapter was when our habits and our goals are in line, then they smoothly um, integrate and guide our actions. And so, you know, our, our choice to hope is, is actually an action. Um, and so like we need to recognize, like Scott said, like the things that I'm thinking, the narratives that are running through my head right now, are they... Um, are they reinforcing a negative belief system or are they reinforcing like the belief that goodness is ahead, that I can change, that um, where I have been isn't necessarily indicative of where I'm always going to be? Like just the realization that I'm looking at my life honestly and going, this could be better. That's that's the beginning of hope, right? Like, so to start from this point of going, yeah, I... I, I I desire my life to be better. I actually, now that I'm looking back at some of my patterns and see how unhealthy they are, like that it truly is the beginning of hope that we could look at that honestly with hope that we can change moving forward. And Scott, you talk about um, there's old habits are rooted in some things, and these are what you say, pride, insecurity, doubt, fear, uh, the approval of others, and shame. These are the patterns that we tend to be trapped. And can you talk a little bit about these? Yeah, those are the kind of the origin of the thoughts. Those, those, when those feelings come around and they're triggered, and then that is the paradigm. That's the lens in which I'm seeing everything through. And so I'm fills me with despair, a very dis, you know, dysfunctional belief about myself, shame, and that leads me to a place of hopelessness. And again, I come back to I, I think the listeners have heard me talk a lot about Dr. Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. There he is in Auschwitz, in this probably one of the worst places in the history of the world to be. And that, you know, he found the antidote to the human condition was to have a spiritual belief that even in this horrible situation, there was something, a positive, that my life could be. The, the Nazis could take away my freedom. They could threaten me with death every day, but they could not take away that innate freedom to choose how I was going to respond. He said he even helped counsel the guards about their marriages and things. I mean, he found a human dignity and a purpose even in that place. And so he said that the most detrimental mental state, which we've talked about before, he called it provisional existence. And that's basically when 
one of the Jewish prisoners was hopeless. They were just overcome with despair. They saw that life would never offer anything good to live for again, and they would just lose the will to live. And I think about that, I fall into that mindset in my own way when I see this, when I'm seeing life through that paradigm that it's never gonna get any better. It's, it's always gonna be this bad. I can't change it. And that creates uh, a hopeless mindset and we are going to succumb to that. Um, you know, we may not commit suicide, we may not die, but in a way we do die to our potential. We die to the joy and uh, our ability to grow into all the things that Christ can develop into us. So it all comes down to a choice. Which of those two am I going to choose to embrace? And you say even my responses around hope are habitual. Yes. So uh, what does that mean? Like uh, We can be habitual with despair. That's the first place we go. But we can also be habitual with hope. How do we, how do we develop that? We start practicing it. Uh, but, but first we have to become aware of when the despairing habitual message is coming. And that's going to be the strongest one mm -hmm. uh, for those of us who struggle with despair. But when it comes, I have to immediately redirect and reframe. And for me now, I'm choosing a verse. And the verse that I have found that is really meaning a lot to me is, I'm confident of this truth, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Stand firm. Take heart. Wait on the Lord. I don't know what it is. That's one of the, That just fills my soul with hmm. waiting. And I go back to reading um, uh, Henry Nouwen's book, Seeds of Hope, and just how he talks about waiting. It's, it's, it's waiting in a very positive expectation. It's something good is going to grow, and it's already been planted. It's, it's here. Yeah. And so that, to believe that, that something good is growing, and it's worthy of my attention, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Stand firm. Take heart. Yeah, I think one of the best ways to do that is honestly, it's it's so simple, but just um, really um, developing a gratitude practice, um, being mm. mindful of like, where have you seen like that hope has panned out for you in your life? Where have you seen the goodness coming through? Like, even if it's just the smallest sliver, um, instead of ruminating on what didn't pan out or what didn't work or where we fell short where we failed like finding those glimmers of hope through like just the practice of gratitude and that requires paying attention and a lot of mindfulness but that is how we begin to reinforce those positive neural pathways um so that the um positive hopeful mindset becomes more habitual than the negative like despairing mindset wow that's gratitude practice that's part of how hope can become more habitual that's so good um in this uh, particular chapter, you uh, quoted a cognitive psychologist, um, Jordan Peterson. He says this, there is an infinite wealth of information in the room. That's kind of what you're speaking to, Scott, like this sense of like, I'm being guided. I'm not alone. I'm getting help. There's some good that's trying to emerge out of my life in the midst of, of this struggle. But he says, yet when you come in and you process it, you can only see things that directly serve your purposes. And it kind of goes back to the old pattern of pride. Um, what, what do you think he's getting at there? Like, because there is this looking at ourselves more deeply, but sometimes we're too stuck in ourselves, you know, to, 
to see hope or to see a way through. And, and he says that we only see things that directly serve our purposes, but sometimes isn't for the good. Right. And I think that also goes back to the idea of provisional existence with a predetermined outcome that we're looking for, which is also often like it can be very self-serving. It can be like what we want and not recognizing that good outcomes can look differently than what we like what we originally think that it's not always all about us. And um, I think also like reframing our mindset um, to encompass the the people, the relationships, the world around us, um, that really does um, huge work in helping us create a new uh, mindset and a paradigm shift because we're not only looking at it through how we receive or what we want or what we think is going to be a hopeful outcome, but being really open-ended to like how can good manifest itself in the world apart from what's happening directly in my own life through what I'm experiencing. Yes, exactly. And I think that's exactly what Frankl found in Auschwitz was the provisional existence was when the prisoner saw life only through their own lens of how this was going to affect them. And maybe they lost loved ones. Maybe they knew they'd never see their mm-hmm. home again or whatever. But or the just the, the tragic circumstances that didn't seem like there was any power to change those. They lost the will to live. But what he found was the antidote to that was, and this is his quote, I love this, he goes, sometimes we have to view it from not asking life what we desire of it, but what could life be asking of us at any given moment in the circumstances, which is what Anna was saying. And I think about that. um, So what he's saying is if I could see that there was a spiritual purpose for me to still be here and to... Again, the, the Nazis could not take away my heart. They could not take away my dignity as a mm. human being and the goodness that was in me. I could still t- choose to serve these people, all these people. And so the focus is now not on him, it's on life. How would you guys define life? Like if we're to ask life, um, would it ask of us what? is life like what because i think we all scott you're saying that we have some awareness that something is wanting to help and guide us that's spirit or intuition well it's interesting Um, that they found in the study on the epidemic of loneliness in our society that the antidote was the belief that we were truly connected to something greater than just ourselves so mm -hmm. to me that's life is this this miracle of the human race that's all over the world that we're all sharing in this world on this planet and that I care about how it's life is unfolding for all these people. Uh, And it's interesting that self-centeredness is such a Mm -hmm. detrimental mindset. Mm -hmm. Other centeredness is so freeing and life giving. Yeah, that you called the old self. The new self is this humble awareness that, like, we didn't give ourselves this life. And so there is this openness to guidance of uh, something that is outside of ourselves. and But, yeah, very much present within us, too, at the same time. Yeah, And, and, yeah. and I, I just want to say real quick that, like, right now, after the way the last three, four years have gone in my life, this is, this is the most difficult space I've ever been in. And there are times where I'm, I feel like I just want to give up. I lost all the things I really wanted to live for and the things that were bringing me. And then, then there's this other mindset, like, no, 
there's so much I can still serve and even use from the struggles and the adversity that I faced. I can turn that around and be used for good. That is a whole new mindset. And that fills me with hope. The other fills me with despair. Mm. And it pulls me towards life. Mm -hmm. Anna, if we are not asking what life can give us, but what life is asking of us, what what does that mean for you? I think it means... um, how am I showing up in this world? What good am I bringing to the table? Um, that life is not here to serve me while there is a lot of joy and goodness to, um, I think squeeze out of life. That is not the ultimate goal and purpose. Like we are, we are here to make the world a better place. We are here to better other people. Um, I firmly believe I want to leave this world better than I came into it. And so whatever I can do to love people well, to um, enrich the lives of those around me, um, I'm here for it. And along the way, I firmly believe there will be goodness and joy for me also to experience and benefit just from the journey of making the world a better place. So true. Like what flows through what flows through us, we actually are, are beneficiaries of too. So yeah, we should expect that out of life. Yeah, you know, hope, my favorite quote on hope is, hope keeps a person alive within time. It keeps us moving forward. Mm-hmm. And the way that God created us, we're forward thinking. So so if I find myself in circumstances that are very difficult uh, and tribulations are intense, um, and I'm in a lot of pain, and, and that's kind of like where I am right now in my life. But I have this choice. I can become apathetic and just say, well, it's past. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I've missed it. I don't want to feel these feelings anymore. Then I miss the opportunity to actually grow and increase my ability to be used for God and, and, and actually find a hope that's, um, I guess more deeply rooted than any hope I've ever had. So, so if life is asking of me right now to respond for, I'm going to use this to serve. I'm going to use this for the betterment of all mankind through my even my own growth. As difficult as it is, that I don't know why that just fills me with hope. And remember, that's apathy as a person loses a desire to live. So despair is hopelessness, provisional existence. I think that's what Franco was saying. And uh, I see it all the time. And you don't have to commit suicide not to want to live anymore. You just, you, just, you, you just quit living. Just quit living. Yeah. Or you distract yourself all the time. And you drink more, you eat more, whatever it is. But, but at the heart of it is a, a hopelessness. What do you guys say to this? Um, a belief that we have changed is a belief that we will act differently from how we did in the past. Like that's key is like, as we're thinking about thoughts of despair or thoughts of hope, um, we are becoming aware that we're acting differently, which should give us more hope to to continue on that. And then um, in in this uh, chapter you quoted Covey, who says self-awareness enables us to stand apart and examine even the way we see ourselves, our self paradigm and the most fundamental paradigm of effectiveness you either you can help us understand yeah I what think that is. self-awareness is also you know recognizing 
what is the lens that I'm looking at the world through? What is the lens that I'm looking at myself through? And um, is it one of despair or is it one of hope? Like, do I believe I can be better? Do I believe that my experiences can be better? Do I believe my relationships can be better? Then you're looking at, you know, at the world through a lens of hope, but that doesn't happen without self-awareness. And so, um, again, it's breaking out of that, um, automatic autonomic response. Our brains, you know, are wired to just kind of go on autopilot. And so we have to really work hard at like breaking that and being reflective and really recognizing like, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking and what is that leading me to in my actions? Because again, our, um, our life is manifested through what we actually believe about ourselves in the world. So self-awareness is going to be the key to, um, developing that self-awareness, stopping like that autonomic response system, even in our thoughts and really being reflective and proactive until those new positive thoughts really become the autonomic habitual way of thinking. So acting differently does give us more hope that we are changing. I don't think there's anything that makes me feel more hopeful than when I feel like I'm growing. Yeah. You know, but when I'm stagnant or even if I'm sliding backwards and again, I become more and more apathetic. You know what I usually find is a really good, um, I guess, what would the word be? Barometer, thermometer mm-hmm. on. Broader? Barometer. Barometer, okay. Mm-hmm. For me is, um, if I'm feeling hopeful, is how much am I wanting to distract myself with my dysfunctional distractions? When I'm not running to distractions, that usually means I'm in a good mm-hmm. mental place. Yeah, That means I'm feeling I'm growing, I'm feeling hopeful. But when despair comes, and I'm feeling apathetic, and I'm, and I'm not wanting to be in the space I'm in, that's when distractions come calling. And we all have dysfunctional distractions. And we don't have to be an addict to have dysfunctional responses. We just eat more, we drink more, we, whatever it is we do, um, we, it's just, that's what I have found is that that's a real tell sign that I'm in a good space. But I think that uh, one of the things that, that I don't know if I did a good job in this chapter, but I, but I wanted to, is Covey's statement is that Faith, to me, is the ultimate paradigm. Hmm. If I'm seeing life through that lens, then there's this hope that no matter what I'm involved in, Mm -hmm. God is in it with me. And there's a purpose and meaning for good that's going to grow out of this. If I'll just be still enough, I'll just hang in there. That is very difficult to do if I don't have faith. Hmm. Faith has to be the foundation, I believe, of the hope that's going to carry me through. Speaking of that, uh, a mentor in our life, Scott, and I, I think you have heard enough from us on this, but Richard Rohr, he says, before transformation, sin is any kind of moral mistake. Afterward, sin is a mistake about who you are and whose you are. That is faith. Yes. Who you are and whose you are. Yes. Um, what is that? Be, transformation before is just seeing life in a moral lens but later on if it's true faith then it becomes something about who we're becoming and whose we belong to yeah what is what does that mean how do we how do we experience that and live that 
You want me to take this one? <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> you want me to ask it again? <laughs> um, no. Uh, I think... Hmm. You guys had some... Uh, the reason I brought that up, you had some really good comments when we talked about it the other day. Because remember I asked... Yeah. I, I think it's really... Um, Let me start all over again. Do you want to keep going? <laughs> what, what you he knows how to cut. Okay. <laughs> and paste. Right, just go ahead. <laughs> Um, I think as we begin that kind of faith transformation journey, um, I think it becomes a lot less about morality, right and wrong. Like, am I, am I doing the right things, the wrong things? And so much more about, am I believing the right and the wrong things about who God is and about who I am and about the world at large? It has so much less to do with our actions and behaviors and so much more to do with like our our actual heart condition um and i think like when we know whose we are and we are securely rooted in that like our heart is going to be firmly grounded and rooted in a safe place and it's not going to be striving after like i have to earn this i have to behave a certain way i have to follow a certain protocol to be acceptable um, to people or to god But when we have that paradigm shift and our faith is really engaged in a deep, meaningful, profound way, um, all of that goes out the window because we are secure in who we are and we begin to see the world through a lens of love and acceptance. And I think that's the best place to start from when we're trying to go out and make the world a better place. Yeah, I think what to me what Roar is saying is that the focus is no longer on what I what I'm doing, but where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who am I becoming? That is what is the key. And uh, the word "become," as you guys know, is a very important word to me. Um, I don't know what it is about that, but that's I have it on every whiteboard I got. I've got it written everywhere right now in my life, because that is the one thing that really fills me with hope that I have an opportunity right now to become the best version of me I've ever been. In the midst of the worst circumstances I've ever been involved in in my life, I have the opportunity to choose to grow and to use this in a very positive way. And then the benefit of that is that I have much more to give. My cup will be so much more overflowing. Um, and that, just that processing that out loud to you guys makes me feel hopeful because I know there's going to be times during the day where it gets it gets difficult mm-hmm. um, and I can choose to look at it through that lens or I can choose to look through it through a new lens of who I am becoming um, becoming the definition means that something is coming into existence mm. it's becoming a reality and so what I'm choosing I, I wrote this again in my notes on this chapter that what the thought, what I'm choosing to, to listen to and to believe is going to truly manifest itself into my reality, physical reality. It's going to form a neural pathway. It's going to, br- it's going to bring it to life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So every day I put before you life and death, Lord says, choose life. And so I can choose to grow. And lots of times the greatest growth we, if not most of the time, the greatest growth we'll have is in the midst of difficult circumstances. I heard um, Billy Graham one time say that more growth comes from adversity ever than prosperity. 
it's just it's just a reality suffering as much as we want to avoid it is the path and uh, sometimes we choose to enter into that suffering but most of the time we won't it's just presents itself unavoidably <laughs> it's it's not like we have to go out looking for it sometimes it, it, it finds it's, us it's yeah. knocked at my door and it's in let itself in even you mm-hmm. know and so but i think a good uh point to make also like when it says you know i place before you life and death choose life that is not a behavioral response it is much more of a, a um cognitive heartfelt what are what am i believing am i believing that i'm choosing life it's not about a morality make a right decision or a wrong decision yeah Yeah, because choices are are stimulated from from the person that i'm becoming you know and so what i'm choosing to believe at any given moment and that's the origin of my thought Um, so if i believe Truly, that no matter all the mistakes I've made, all the weakness, all the flaws, that I am a beloved child of God and He is fighting for me and believes in me and is at every turn is going to be there to help me get back up after I make a mistake. That is, that's a paradigm. Would you say that not starting from the place of moral mistakes is a way of going, because I would imagine if we're becoming more of who we are, and we're more aware of whose we are, morality will follow. It's like, it's just sometimes we put a we put the cart before the horse. It's like when our heart changes, we'll, we'll be people that are contributing and blessing the world around us. Yeah, one of my favorite psalms that David says, "Lord, don't judge me by what I've done, but judge me by the aspirations of my heart." That's my I I have that written on every whiteboard too, because that is such a hopeful thing. If you, you know? saw one of Scott's whiteboards. <laughs> <laughs> They're filled filled with lots of stuff. <laughs> like my poor brain. But the I, whole book is on his whiteboard, actually. <laughs> I know, but that's so true that that I, I, in my heart is this longing and this these aspirations. I know the man that I want to be, and I believe that's the man that God is calling me and encouraging me. This is you. This is a tr- your true self, and I'm going to fight for that guy. Mm. And so he, what he's asking me is, I need you to fight for him too, Scott. Mm-hmm. And um, and we fight for it not by trying harder, but by believing what's true. Well said. Well, this day is renewing the attitude of your mind, so I want to just end with a question for both of you. If we're living in renewing our minds and seeing a new self that we, we, we hope for and we want to believe in, uh, what, do, what are you guys personally leaving behind? And what are you looking forward to in that? Scott, what are you leaving behind right now and, and looking forward to? Ask me that one more time. I... Okay. Um, let me start all over then. Um, today's about renewing the attitude of our mind. So if we're living in more in the reality of the renewal of that uh-huh. and who we are and whose we are, um, what are you wanting to leave behind? In my life? Yeah. That I never, that I, God never gave up on me, mm. and I never gave up on me, and that, um, and for me, how God fights for me and how I fight for me is, I keep showing up every day, no matter how bad the day was before, how many times I failed, God is there, wanting me to get back up every single time, and every time I get back up, I learn something, uh, and I. And I feel that 
that just in that alone gives people hope. Well, if he can get back up after all the times he's been knocked down, I can too. And uh, and that's that's what I hope my life is a testimony to people of, you know, this guy was so imperfect. This guy was so flawed. This guy had so many weaknesses, but yet look at his gallant effort with God to keep growing and keep overcoming. Um, I really believe God does see the aspirations in my heart and he's my greatest fan. And so I want to be other people's greatest encourager that, hey, I'm in this with you and we all can stay on this path. Beautiful. Anna, what do you want, what are you hoping to leave behind, striving to leave behind for you? Um, I think for me it would be showing others that it's okay to be imperfect, it's mm. okay to be flawed, um, that perfection is an unreasonable and unattainable goal, um, and that every person's life matters. So I want that to be true of the way that I treat people, but I also want that to be true of how people watch me show up in the world. Thanks for joining us, friends. Um, we are always honored to meet you here um, on YouTube, uh, through your ears, uh, in your audio, coming through your car, wherever you might find yourself. Um, just know this, that every one of us has a different path with the same human journey that we're on, but none of us have to go it alone. Visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about online and in-person groups that you could be a part of, because no one has to do this journey alone. And there are places like Restore that can join you on the journey and help you have this kind of renewing of the mind that we're talking about. Over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. Stay on the path and take care, friends. Mm -hmm.